back, Wine, Women, and Song. Uh, of course, I'm here, your host this evening, J. Austin Bitter, and with me around to my left are... Megan Dimma, Paige Stroop-Bittner, Jessica Satava, Gabrielle Demare. Wonderful. Welcome in January, ladies. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New Year. Yep. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to apologize at the beginning of this podcast for throwing this together last minute, ladies. It seems like... I had a holiday uh, hangover um, in getting things scheduled, and not in, and not in the purely enjoying wine um, sense. More of a, like being inundated in song. Um, so, uh, so thank you for throwing things together uh, to be here with uh, me this evening. And uh, our theme uh, for January is um, King Cab for the wine, Cabernet Sauvignon, and royalty for music. Songs that either are sung by characters of royalty or about royalty or um, anything on that theme, you know, I, no matter how obscure it might be. If you can connect it to royalty, it fit uh, with this evening. So I'm looking forward to it. You guys had some great selections, and I'm sure there's some fabulous stories in there. Um, and um, because, you know, every, I'm still in the middle of a lot of singing. I'm in Don Carlo right now, which seems to have, what, what was it, five days in the last seven page up in a way? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I even am like, oops, I forgot to type up an outline for tonight. So we are just winging it. Winging it. So <laughs> I'm going to forget to do something I know. I already apologize, but I should just make sure I don't forget to pour the wine. Um, so, uh, any thoughts or questions about Cabernet Sauvignon? Why it's like the king, or do you guys all know? Or because it's delicious. Yeah, it's, delicious. <laughs> it's the king of my heart. <laughs> Smell Don't tell Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't marry wine. If I could, I probably would. You marry Cabernet Sauvignon, yeah. maybe. Yeah, kind of my favorite. Well, I mean, it's it's easy to grow in a lot of different places around the world. Um, and still produce really beautiful wines. Although it's probably most celebrated in um, France and California. I mean, it is grown almost anywhere. It's one probably one of the first grapes they plant and try to make wine with if you're trying to make you know, quality wine because it does grow relatively easily. Part of that's because the skin of the grape is generally quite thick, so it's a more of a durable grape. And that's what makes Cabernet Sauvignon's have um, larger amounts of tannins in them is from those grape skins. Um, so um, in, 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 in an effort to, I'll give you this little hint, in an effort to have it not be overly a tannic experience this evening, there are no particularly young Cabernet Sauvignons we're gonna be drinking tonight. They're all um, of older vintages than like currently on the shelves. Um, because oh, sometimes, oh darn, they've <laughs> aged downstairs yeah. in the cellar a little oh, bit. Nice. Um, which, which is not to say you can't buy Cabernet Sauvignon off the shelf and drink it. Again, remember, I've said multiple times, 95-ish percent of the wines that are sold on retail today are meant to be consumed immediately, like on your way home from the, no. Um, <laughs> like, you know, in the first one to three years after you've purchased them. Um, and most people probably don't even who buy wine don't keep it longer than the weekend. And I, I'm not joking about that. Um, and so um, there are a lot that are able to drink, but um, we're gonna taste some that uh, I did taste them all when they were first released and they were all drinkable then. 
but I think that a little time downstairs may have, you know, mellowed those tannins and, and done some things. So we can talk about that some as we taste. Um, and that's one of the other reasons why it's called King Cabernet Sauvignon, because it has, it has one of the greatest uh, age abilities in wines across all the different grape varietals. Um, and aging wine, obviously 95% of them don't benefit from that or aren't designed to benefit from that. So it's not the vast majority of it, but that has been prized for a long time, um, is to have wines that do improve with age. Um, maybe by just people like me, uh, but also by royalty. Nah. So um, <laughs> it fits in a lot with um, our theme this evening. Um, any other th anything else? I mean, I, I don't want to just pontificate to pontificate because I'm good at that. But I do. I, I'd like to know. You said that it's relatively easy to grow. Mm -hmm. How come it's one of the more expensive? Ones? Uh, that's called the old supply and demand rules. Every, there are more demand for Cabernet Sauvignon than many other grapes. So, and also when it comes to areas like say that are in the highest demand or considered um, the the premier regions, Bordeaux and Napa uh, in particular, those are relatively small areas of land. In fact, Napa is smaller than Bordeaux, and so it's just there's just only so much land available to grow and of course they don't only grow Cabernet Sauvignon and Napa Valley they grow tons of other grapes as well so it's that's it's just supply and demand that's the reason the prices are high anybody else what's the queen of wine what's the queen many would say the queen of wine is Chardonnay Okay. Uh, because it's white for one fair. thing, oh, and then it's also very hard. Mm -hmm. And I know Jess is like, I don't like Chardonnay. Chardonnay <laughs> is not my queen. I would not have <laughs> a French no polyamorous yeah. relationships with cat, <laughs> okay. cab, and queen Chardonnay. She wouldn't even be a sister wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Chardonnay. Set her straight. Well, no, she said except French Chardonnay. Yeah. Chardonnay. I like Chardonnay. Yeah, they're different. I like Chardonnay. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. white burgundy a lot. And then we'll do Chardonnay again sometime at some yeah. point. Because you, maybe you can convince me. You have to. Because we've, 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 we've done Cabernet Sauvignon before and it's come back. I mean, there, yeah. there, there's nothing wrong with uh, repeats here, because, but we will always explore into other new areas too. too. But last time, I don't think I said King Cab and royalty, so there's, there's a lot of different themes one could do. I, yeah. I suppose I could have done. You know Cabernet Sauvignon and thick-skinned characters, and you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. and that could have been a whole different direction for the music, True. and it still would have fit the True. wine. So yeah. that is such a great thing about wine. There's so many different ways to go with it. So um, that, well, this is one of the things I love about wine. But um, down my gullet, that's where it's down <laughs> your gullet, that's where it's best. Yeah. Um, so perhaps I should uh, play the first song and pour the first wine and get us going, ladies. Sounds like a plan. Perfect. Oh, we need to cheers. Yeah, probably because I'm gonna forget. See, I told you I don't have an outline. I should be pouring the wine for you, ladies. Oh, we won't let you forget that. Okay. Thank you. So here's wine number one. Yeah, I can already tell you it's kind of a beautiful color. Yeah. I want clothes this color.
And that is Elettra, um, famous um, mythological character. She appears in a lot of operas. Um, and yeah, I mean, she's, she's royalty. Um, so this is what I call her crazy aria at the end of the opera, which I believe Mozart added this like, to a second version that he did of it. Um, but basically, at the end of the opera, when things are resolved and everybody's happy at the end, she, she had been in love with Idamante a big love triangle. Idamante is in love with Ilia. Ilia loves Idamante. They finally get together um, and she's basically spurned. So when they get together, she's just like, everything is happy and she's like, oh, you know, oh, furies. Like, she wants to like join her brother. Like, fuck this bitch. Yeah, she's just like, you guys are all happy. Screw you guys. Like, um, so it's just, yeah, a great, like, ragey aria. Um, and with the rest of it, she, it's all kinds of mm. awesome craziness. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. We didn't hear the rest of those tonight. No, we did not. So this is the aria portion. Um, and the artist is Barbara Frittoli. 
Um, who's a wonderful. A lot of people really know her for her Verdi, but she did sing a lot of a lot of Mozart roles. So it's it's very. I like her singing because it's full, but it's clean. You know, she doesn't scoop about like, which is very, very good. But, no, it's very solid singing. Yeah. I don't think most people though would hear Ido Mineo and things like this and immediately think Mozart. No. Yeah. So this is I. I guess I'm partial to this opera because, I mean, it was one of his later compositions and it feels, I mean, it's a throwback. It's like opera seria style. So in a lot of ways it feels antiquated, but the harmonies and like, he plays around a lot with the, um, with the score. It's just very interesting. Um, and um, it's basically a family drama, but it's like, a, you know. Yeah. Uh, it kind of reminded me of The Queen of the Night. Actually, when I first you can, you can hear like that drama of it, yeah. yeah. And also hear bits of maybe um, um, uh, Dona Elvira in it, yeah. Um, but even then, to me, it's just a little more BTTW than a lot of Mozart pieces because even those Queen of the Night arias pull back from the balls to the walls portion. And there's like this is just mm -hmm. like. Fury. Yeah, it's yeah, not on second. It's what the the big. What's it called? Why am I? Why is this escaping me? Her angry aria. Not Nomi dear. Oh, Oh, sorry. That's um. Orsai. Yeah, where it's just love the yeah. whole time. And yeah. The one. Yeah, it's it's really having studied it, it's really hard to sing <laughs> because it just kind of it's relentless. Um. And there are little parts that give up, but like the the pace of it, and the, there's like a lot of the chromaticism kind of like leading mm -hmm. up, to, and then the high C's at the end that are that you have to laugh, you know, um, <laughs> you know, laugh yeah. it off. She's yeah. she's losing it. So is this a role you would do, Gabby? I mean, probably in yeah. my in my dreams, but it's in the same vein as like a Donna Elvira, mm -hmm. the same mm -hmm. same kind of stuff, Vicalia, uh, yeah. that kind, those same kind of voices. Um, but the opera itself is interesting in that, like musically, each number kind of flows into the other ones differently mm -hmm. than they do in a lot of the other Mozart pieces. It's it's a really beautiful, um, interesting opera that isn't performed very much because it's a little so static. I, it's I was really in it a long, long yeah. time ago yeah. with WNO. The chorus stuff yeah. is great. Yeah. By the way, Mozart's chorus music not always a great sing, but like. This stuff is interesting chorus mm -hmm. music. Because you're more like a Greek chorus. A lot more mm -hmm. interesting than um, Don Giovanni. Oh my god. <laughs> or Figaro. Or Figaro. Figaro, right. you could like, oh man, do we have like one rehearsal for Figaro chorus? It was like, you can learn that, especially the alto lines, like straight. Mm -hmm. Straight Jean. Johnny Wonder. Johnny Wonder. Yeah. But yeah, this is, I don't know, I just really like, I like all the characters in this. Opera for some yeah, reason. I mean, it's like Greek gods and royal, yeah. like you say, royalty and stuff. And yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's a family drama. It is a family drama. I mean, because he's Domineo is supposed to sacrifice the first, he's like saved, and the first person he sees, he's like, I'll sacrifice that person to the gods, and it's his son. <laughs> Go figure. That's opera for you. Don't make promises you can't back yeah. up, kings. Yeah. yeah so. Do that a lot. <laughs> what would we have if people didn't make promises without thinking them through? Yeah. 
Much less. We wouldn't drama. have politics. No. Uh, <laughs> like her entire like justice. Well, never mind. I I, I digress. Well, opera is often politics. This anyway. wine is yes. so good. <laughs> 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 like a lot of cheering. <laughs> All right, so we're on to the wine, so we don't get into politics. Yay, Jessica. <laughs> so what do you got? What do you smell, Jessica? Did you, or are you just digressing? Definitely cherry. Yeah. Cherry. Yeah, okay. it's a very perfumey kind of nose too. And I've been eating. This is like to- totes random, but I've been eating a lot of dried cranberries recently because yeah. mm-hmm. I like them, and that reminds I'm getting mm-hmm. a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah. As we said, that that often. That's a good way to start to identify things. If you either have a lot or you make a very discerned mental note to remember something you're tasting or smelling for the first time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. It's really nice. Yeah, I got a lot of tobacco in the finish, Mm. too. um, Maybe from some of the ones that I have been drinking recently, seems a little less sweet and a little less full-bodied. I give it like a medium to medium mm-hmm. to full body wine. Yeah, it's not like uber powerful, but it's certainly not light body. No, so no. it's like medium yeah. plus sort of mm-hmm. sort of body. Um, there's some nice brightness to the fruit. There's some good acidity that makes those cherry notes kind of sing. Julie, really nice. Paige, you want to give me the rest of your wine since you're on dry January? <laughs> yes. Boo, um, joy. I know yeah. so many people who are doing that. Uh, yeah. And I, I ha- have to admit I have cut back, but yeah, and by no means dry. Next, next, next January. This and you know what? Okay. <laughs> I have nothing against dry January or, or taking a break. Uh, I, I just can't seem to do it for work. Um, yeah, that's true. See, this is why I need a job like that. <laughs> Fenval's tasting wine. Do you want to hire me? <laughs> wine consultant. I'm not in a hiring position for that, but like, I went to a went to a wine uh, tasting with a winemaker this past Friday, and um, I mean, like, literally, I was sitting there two uh, a char a Sauvignon Blanc a char and three Cabernet Sauvignons in front of me, all from. Napa Valley, a lot of it from Atlas Peak, this beautiful area, and I was just like, wow, this is my Friday morning, (laughs) and this is work, this rocks. Yeah, and then he Uh, sends me a text, and you know, my Friday morning is not that, so, (laughs) even if it weren't dry January. (laughs) But, um, you know what, though, I spit all of that wine. I don't do that here, but there, I still had to drive. Home. I still and you plus I was work. And I still had to work and I was still evaluating. So I was not really truly enjoying all the effects of the wine. Um, but one of the things that um, I like about this wine is exactly what I think you alluded to, Paige, is about like the tobacco on the finish. Mm-hmm. Is that the tannins on the finish actually have some characteristics other than just uh, you know Dry. the astringency yeah. drying yeah. effect. Yeah, they've got a, they've got a little bit of a neat flavor component. You had mentioned when you said this would be a role in my dreams. Yeah. Have either one of you ever um, thought of a role that would be in your dreams that you've never done and just learned it for the sake of learning, not uh, not just an aria, but learning the whole thing, just you have, you Mm -hmm. learned the whole role? Yeah. Not, 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 uh, Electra. I mean, I've, I've sung through all of it, but I haven't like 
done the, the hard work, which is the memorization, the memorization and, the... and like coaching it and stuff. Yeah. That would be the dream. But yeah, I have learned roles that I've said that I would not enough of them. Every year I sit down around this time of the year, like early January and commit myself to things that I don't fulfill. But I'll make a list of like, I want to learn this role. I, want I don't to think you're things. alone in that. No, yeah. of course. That's why I can yeah. say it out loud. I, like, yeah. I know I'm not alone, but yeah. I, I will usually like check like one, like I'll write down like three or four roles that I want to learn and I'll, I'll probably learn one. Because I'm very guilty of not learning something unless I have to learn it for a specific thing. And yeah. I think, well, why is that? Because because you get paid to do it. Right. Well, I mean, that's, that's obvious, but why not just learn something yeah. because I, I've always wanted to Time learn limited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Life I, it's worth limited. doing. I've done it a couple of times and it's it's satisfying in its own way. Because the music, learning the music is satisfying in enough. But not being able to perform it is kind of sad. I've, I've really learned most of Yoletta. I couldn't say that it's memorized. But because you just wanted to do it, just mm -hmm. because. Yeah. Um, well, that's what I'm going to have to do if I ever want to sing my dream roles, is just learn them for myself. Well, that's what I was thinking. There is no way any, I mean, especially at my ripe old age, no one's going to hire me to sing my dream roles. Mm -hmm. You're so, not old for a tenor, honey. Yeah. No, 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 no but time. my old age and given also what I've decided to do with my career in terms mm -hmm. of things, Jumping back in, no one's going to hire me. And also, given our climate today, mm. no one's going to hire me to sing Verdi's Otello. And that's probably my dream role. And I'm probably going to have to just learn that on my own and coach it up so, and say it. So, Desdemona's on my list for this year. Do you want... We could do some duets. We could, like... Oh, there I you love go. that, you guys. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. We could yeah. January New Year's commit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We don't have to keep it. We don't have to There we go. From Otello concert, like in the late fall. <laughs> not live on a podcast. No. no. <laughs> first of all, we'd have to acquire piano here first. I yeah, don't yeah, think we yeah. want to do that with keyboard. No. I wouldn't. No. Uh, so, and that's not happening anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, shall I pour a second wine? Move to second yeah, selection. Sounds good. Wonderful.
choice. Thank you. Um, that is Let the Bright Seraphim from Handel's Samson Oratorio. And uh, the singer is Dame Kiri Takanawa. <gasps> and the reason I picked this is because... Uh, it's not sung by a royal character. It's not sung by a royal character. And the you know oratorio isn't really about a royal character. But um, this was sung at uh, Charles and Diana's wedding. Prince oh. Charles and Princess Diana's wedding. Um, and one of the things I found on sort of like a, a New Zealand gossip rag was that uh, the reason that Dame Curie sang, she wasn't Dame at that time, the reason she sang at the wedding is because Charles had been seeing her at the Royal Opera House and thought she was lovely and seductive and so wanted him to, wanted her to sing at uh, their wedding. So. <laughs> and it catapulted her to success. Yeah. Did it? Yeah. yeah. Like that big yeah. beginning of her career because oh, was, I didn't know that. It was broadcast all over oh, the yeah. world. Mm -hmm. Yep. So then after that, she, instead of being in the opera house, she did. That's when she started doing more like stadium weddings. Yeah. So awesome. Wow. Yeah. It didn't really. It must have been early on in her. I don't know. Well, I, I was trying to figure out Charles who it was. Charles and so wedding yeah. would have happened in 81. my childhood. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Born yet. Yeah, eighty one was. Wah, wah. Eight, yeah, eighty one was yeah. wedding. So <laughs> you she, born there yet? are some amazing oh videos on YouTube of her singing it, and. She just doesn't look a bit nervous. Mm -hmm. No, she yeah. always had that relaxed face thing going on. And, yeah. and it's like, seriously, like everyone who's important was at that wedding or yeah. watching it on Southlake. Like, yeah, well, it makes sense. Yeah, it's like, just, you know, it's a, like she was just sitting down for a cup of tea. Yeah. And then uh, and some and, English orange. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in the, in the same. Uh, uh, article or whatever I was reading, they said that uh, when they first asked, she was like, Charles who? <laughs> <laughs> and that's why she's a dame. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I love that song. I love the trumpet. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, it's like how, it's really hard to not smile when you're listening to it. And Isn't Handel like, it's like, um, to me, it's like the best rock music. Like, it's so rhythmic, it's so energetic, there's so much going, it's just so, like, full of joy. Mm -hmm. you know? Why didn't yeah. she ornament, though? She didn't really... It wasn't really in style. No, yeah. No. Oh, okay. Well, this know, is, this is, yeah. This no is, early musicians got, or, like, early music people got to her. Right. <laughs> I don't think there were music early music people then, you know? I think it, yeah. was, it wasn't, like... Separate 80, things. You know, it was, it was 81. Time, yeah. yeah, there were some. Yeah, and this recording, this isn't actually the wedding recording. Because I, I pulled one off of Spotify instead of YouTube, figuring it would be a little better quality. But, mm -hmm. um, Matt and Jay, do you have the information on the recording? I can't quite remember. But I think uh, it's still like. It was, well, it was a it's studio still in recording. The yeah, it was a studio yeah. recording, but it's still in the 80s. It's from yeah. her Ave Maria album. Yeah. So it was, you know, one of her early albums where it has a bunch of, you know, Religiously selections, things, and this yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, this this comes from basically the very end of the opera Samson. It's mm -hmm. not Samson or Delilah or whatever. It's, it's a subsidiary just, it's character. Just, it's just an Israelite woman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. I want to be that woman. Yeah. Right? I want to be that Israelite woman. Sing that, all right. Here's a nice song. I mean, she does some other stuff in it if it's the same cast. If, like, they do continuous casting, then there's a lot of them. But, like, you, know, you get, like, the last word i mean the chorus has the last word but really basically the last soloist word and it's that yeah yes. that's pretty good yeah and 
That was the that was the starting piece for my senior recital. Aww. Wow. Yeah. So oh, oh, you remember it? Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> I when I was auditioning for grad school, I remember I, I went to Eastman to audition, and um, the teachers were like, "Stay. There's a wonderful recital tonight. There was a, a senior recital, and she's singing one of your pieces. You know, you should stay and come to the recital after my audition that day." So I I came to the recital. And a, a young lady came out, and her pianist came out, and she was also starting with Let the Bright Seraphim. And they had this gorgeous recital hall. It's just simply stunning. And um, she comes out in this white dress, and she was so beautiful. And, the, and they were all ready, and they started doing Let the Bright Seraphim. I was like, oh, she sounds delightful. This is amazing. <laughs> The trumpeter runs on stage. <gasps> <laughs> the trumpet player runs on stage oh and just god. starts playing. Oh my god! <laughs> he had missed oh, the beginning of her He was late. Oh. <laughs> Student. Wow. Can you imagine? Yeah. And like all the teachers are there, like tittering. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. And did it throw her off at all, or did she just keep on singing? She kind of like looked over it like for a second and then she just <laughs> kept on going. going. She was so great. I still wonder if it was. Oh, well, anyway. Well, if they were dating before, they weren't. <laughs> That's right. He sounded great. I yeah. Mean, he yeah. played beautifully yeah. and she sang beautifully, but it was just hilarious. I'll never forget. Off to a good start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's my love for Ferrisburg story. So. Well, there's a beautiful recording of Kathleen Battle and Lynn Marsalis. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. really yeah. nice to listen to that it's one, so too. Good. Yeah. Really I, clean. Very it clean. Is. Didn't she have a concert today? She, anyway. She's been doing some concerts. Yeah. This is true. Um, my very favorite recording ever of Love the Bright Seraphim is Joan Sutherland. Oh, really? Yeah. I'd, like, I, I, I'd like to hear that. Yeah. It is so good. You should look it up. She sounds just like the like the trumpet sound, and mm. her sound is so perfectly matched. Mm. There's something like really like it works, you know? Mm. Anyway. It's a great piece. Good selection. It is a Thank good piece. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And not an immediate royal connection, but it works. Oh, well, I get that. I, I knew it. I, oh, yeah. Me, oh, it's, if it's good it. enough for royalty, yeah. then it's good enough for us. Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's because I'm old. I knew it was so, at the so wedding. So our next selection is Campbell and... No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was say, was this one? And this, you know, really like, the, this song actually has a true royal connection, even though it's not a royal character. It's like reality royalty. Yeah, well... Yeah. So, you know. Who's to say, you know, Electra wasn't real? Well, you know, fair enough. She's real to us. No, clearly. Well, Barbara Freetholi is certainly real to us. She's very real. She's still singing. Well, I mean, Kiri, for all of her beautiful sounds, is also, I know I've mentioned before, notorious for not knowing her words. Yes. Yes. And I recently heard some story time about how she not only in certain performances had, you know, prompter in the box, that was apparently not helping, but prompter sewn into the curtains of the set. <laughs> what? <laughs> sewn in? Like, like on the like, side? Like sewn in so they could like be hidden on, but prompt closer up because she, where she was staged, she wasn't able to hear. I want to be that, the prompter. that prompter. Like, well, that's like, a high-stress <laughs> job. But in, but in like, in, the wings, job. Yeah. Like, so, like in, a, in fabric <laughs> sewn into the curtain. Like, <laughs> that's pretty fun. But you know, the amazing thing, I actually learned a lot from watching like YouTube videos of Kiri Takanoa messing up and just like 
not like you don't note it. Like if you didn't mm -hmm. know the music, you wouldn't necessarily know that she was messing up. Maybe it's that same quality, Jessica. I'm so jealous of it. Yeah, or it's, or it's yeah. like Charles too. <laughs> exactly. You know? She just. I love it. She's just like she's, fine. Yeah. You know, she doesn't yeah. care. I, I, I have mean, to take I'm a Valium to be that chill. You have to <laughs> think that there is something going on that she was so good yeah, at not showing. Or else it was just. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? You know. But God, but, but voice. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> and who's that conductor who loved her so much? Why do I? Schulte was oh, obsessed with yeah. her. And she did. Four last songs at the beginning of her career, mm -hmm. four last songs at the middle of her career, four last songs at the end so that they could kind of chronicle her yeah. voice yeah. and how <laughs> it was and and to do to be so like she's got a lot of good things going on if Georg Schulte wanted to record. Oh four no, last I mean like it's a it's oh, a it's, voice. It's a, it, it's, a, it's a voice for the century. Yeah. I mean that you know, it's it's I mean it, don't get me wrong and she was right to be talented and be a dame and everything, but it's she also was notorious <laughs> yeah. for for getting the hell out of her words. But I think one of the reasons it worked is, like you said, yeah. she didn't like let it, yeah, you know, face her. her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, whatever. Yeah. I wonder what. I mean, I'm not famous enough, and it doesn't matter. I'm not famous <laughs> at all. But Thanks. like, I wonder what people will say. Well, Jessica was notorious for you know. Huh. For looking beautiful. Yes. <laughs> just and being so, so beloved. I just being a really nice person. Yeah. yeah. I don't well, I'm not fishing for compliments. <laughs> Honestly, just like the what are thinking, do you know what I mean? Like, do you ever think that? Like, they're going to think, well, she was notorious for forgetting. I always think it'd be neat to do, you know, funerals for the living, you know. Like, yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like say, you know, you live to be like 60 or whatever, instead of like, you know, I'd be like, all right, I'd like to hear all the nice things people are going to say about me, you know, when I die, whenever it might happen. Maybe it'll happen 10 years, maybe it'll happen in 40 years, but let's hear it now. Yeah. So I can, like, yeah. you know. I'm notorious for eating frosting out of the can. <laughs> so. That is excellent. So there you go. I'm notorious for making piles of things all around my house. <laughs> That's just for you. I have so many piles, like, everywhere. <laughs> Jake can identify with that. <laughs> no comment. I, so. <laughs> I leave Deep all the secrets. Yeah. I do oh, that that's another thing to be notorious for because all you have to do is shut it. I know. I don't know why. I walk in, all the doors are open, and, and I know I'm the one who did it. <laughs> and they're all open. Just got to know where everything is. You sure it wasn't mm -hmm. Dexter or. I'm just. <laughs> uh, I, am, so. yeah. I usually blame everything on David, quite frankly. <laughs> he, he doesn't do that. I blame a lot of things on Joe, but the piles aren't him. No, no, definitely not. He puts all the things away. <laughs> mm. So mine number no. two. Yes, mine number two. <laughs> it was definitely different than my number one, right? Yeah, yeah, different. Um, I felt like it had much darker fruit. Darker fruit. Mm -hmm. And t much more tanniny yeah. after. Tan is a bit stronger, stronger. stronger. Yeah. yeah. On the finish, at least. Yeah. I think it had a lot more like earthiness to it, mushroomy and um, more subtle. Yeah, the fruit was less bright. It was less I think Paige, you said dark, right? Mm -hmm. Darker yeah. fruit. It was like black plum and uh, dark cherry, not quite as tart, more bitter cherry almost. Yeah. Nice. Um 
I kind of like this wine. I do too. I wish it wasn't dry January. Oh well. Um, well, I think, uh, and I think it's a little bigger, like body-wise, than the first wine. Like a little fuller bodied. I think I'm the only one that has any left in my glass. But yeah. the part of that is because <laughs> Paige um, gave me her six. She's Limoncello. Not. Get down. Yeah. Don't eat that. You know, Queen Sheba cake or <laughs> Charlotte cake. Also themed. No, I think um, I think this is this is good, but it's definitely cab too. That's the mm -hmm. thing. It's very different, but it's all totally cab. Yeah. So very interesting. All right, shall I move on to three and three? Yep. Perfect. Wonderful. All right, here we go. I just feel so, con I just think it's spectacular. 
And I love that aria because it's so much fun. And like, it's one of the few, so much opera is, is really, really best in context. Hmm. Yeah. Do you know, I mean, it's really, as much as I love Casa Diva and I think it's the most wonderful aria ever and it's so much better in Norma, yeah. in the mm -hmm. opera, like in, you know, in the context of what's happening with the chorus, with everything. But this one is, is beautiful excerpted. Mm -hmm. And this is from the iconic recording of Franny and Corelli. Oh. Um, this poor gentleman, of course, like, Nameless. did not ascend to their lofty heights, <laughs> but, but he got himself on the recording. Yeah. So, <laughs> so therefore, he's doing better than me. Henry Gui. Henry Gui. Henri Gui. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like yes. So the reason that this applies <laughs> with our theme today it's a couple things actually. It's about Queen Mab, the Queen of Dreams, the mm. mythical Queen of Dreams. So this aria happens at the very beginning of Romeo and Juliet, and um, Mercutio. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Well, it's like at the party, drunk, right? You know, yeah. So it's like at the big party. <laughs> scene, it is. Right? It's at the yeah. big party, mm -hmm. and it's one of the things that just makes the whole. It just. Um, makes the first act just so exciting and fun and mm -hmm. it really feels like a party because of this aria. Um, and I just think it's spectacular. And so anyway, and there's a line about wine too, Jay, would you like I me know. to read it? Um, yes, indeed. So basically, she, this Mab, um, she presides over dreams and she is the person who like, makes our dreams what they are. And so she said, she pours glasses of wine for everybody. So that we'll go to sleep? No, in our in dreams, our dreams to make them more fun, them more so fun. that we're going to be having more fun in our dreams. Oh, yeah. Oh, so it's there you go. Yeah. She's in there, she's like working it, getting everybody all, um, you know, just a little bit more lubricated. Yeah. I've, I've had uh, dreams that I was drinking wine before. That must have yeah. been her. <laughs> she lightly brushes your mouth and makes you dream of kisses. Oh, oh baby. Okay. <laughs> better to dream, is it better to dream too. of wine or yeah. kisses? Both. Wine and then kisses, maybe? <laughs> yeah, All of the above. <laughs> All of the above. But, um... Is it really a mythic... I, like, never looked into that queen bag. Well, it's why don't we ask the Google? Let's look up queen <laughs> Queen Mob is, who is she? Queen Mob is a fairy referred to in William Shakespeare's play, Rome Hill and Juliet, yeah, of course. So that's the yeah. <laughs> where she is the fairy's midwife, and later she appears in other poetry and literature and in various guises in drama and cinema. So it sounds like she's kind of just a recurring character yeah. in but, much classical literature. Yeah. But if Shakespeare started it, then... Uh, Created the character. Yes. Well, and you know, it's one of those things where I feel like uh, what's a, what's neat to me is that the musical motifs in this piece remind me a little bit of one of Mephistopheles' arias in Faust, mm -hmm. but this is a totally different character. Yeah. And yet, those motifs of that mischievousness and that liveliness and that deviousness, you think, mm -hmm. I guess it could apply to Mephistopheles. Yeah. It was really kind of interesting to me, you know, having 
Once Upon a Time as a bass song, Mephistopheles, you know, arias, and it really struck me immediately when I heard it. I was like, oh my gosh, there's, there's a lot of similarities to the way he's set these different runs and intervals and phrases, and I was like, oh. And the way it builds is kind of, I yes. can see that, it's kind of similar. Kind of like, uh, it's like the, um, I'm thinking specifically about the, you know, Song of the Golden Calf. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it sounds good. Um, it said she, she presides over the dreams of men. Huh. Oh, specifically men. Okay. Oh yeah. Well then, my uh, wine and kisses dreams are just caused by mind. somebody else. <laughs> I wonder who presides over women's dreams. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It must be a king. King king cat, maybe. Perhaps. King cow. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm down. Yeah. No, I think this is a fine choice. And one of the other reasons I, I chose this selection when you, because you submitted a couple, Jess, is that um, this is not a piece, I think, like, unless you're, unless you really know opera or you've mm -hmm. been, been in this opera or whatever, this is not an artist who's like, oh, yeah, tonight I decided I wanted to listen to Naria, so I whipped up, you know. <laughs> Mercutio. Mercutio's aria from Romeo and Juliet. And yet, I feel like it should be. Yeah. It should, it should I mean, be on everyone should, would enjoy this, like, so much. It's, it's always, fun. every time I've ever seen it done in concert, the audience just thinks yeah. it's the best. It's a big romp. They love it so yeah. much. It's yeah. so yeah. fun. Baritones have all the fun. They really do. <laughs> you know, that, not, not the least of which part of fun is the fact that their singing voice is very close to their speaking voice, mm -hmm. and so they don't, wow. Don't they don't have to get started. Don't start. Go, go. It is just so not fair, you know? Roll out of bed and sing whatever. They're just like, yeah. They but they have a lot of it. words to learn. True. <laughs> True. Think figure out. There's a lot of memorization. Whereas the tenor and the soprano just keep repeating the, the same, same stuff. Words over I never thought about it like that. I always <laughs> felt like I had a lot I do, of words. I do remember one time when I was singing the Rigoletto Quartet and and I was well. Well, my first thing was like, well, this is like a tenor aria with like a trio underneath. <laughs> but maybe that's because I'm a tenor. Yeah, but yeah. It's not really about you, though. It's probably a little bit about Actually, it is. That one really that, is. Yeah, that is. Yeah. But um, I mean, let's be objective. That one really <laughs> that is. One is yeah. So, but I remember though, I was looking at, it, I was like, man, there are not a lot of words to this. He repeats himself a lot. Yes. He must not. Tenors can remember the words. <laughs> he was probably very right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure all of that figures in so much to why and how this music was composed. Like, I, I don't think we can even. Oh, and the specific possibly like singers they're kind of thinking of when they composed. Yeah, it. and I mean, yeah. it's just it's so fun to think about that yeah. stuff. Well, we 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 worked with uh, living composers. Indeed, we have. Yeah, and when you have as well, mm -hmm. and I, yeah. they do. I don't know if you have me in as well, but right, they do change things. You know, when with whom they're working with, yep. they often do. And sometimes they'll be like, "No, just deal with it." But, uh, sometimes <laughs> they do. But sometimes, sometimes they, they make you suffer. Yeah. And sometimes though, they change things to make things a bit harder yeah. because they're like, "Oh, you can do that." Yeah. <laughs> like Tom Adams. You know? Oh, you have like crazy high notes. Right. <laughs> you sing this. Right. Well, then they should put that in. If you have crazy high notes, you should put that in. But like F's, mm -hmm. like F's. <laughs> Pull it in. Like if you've got an F, you're, you're gonna G's. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, no, I think um, 
I think this is a, this is a good piece. I hope you know if you're. I think this is the kind of thing where uh, if you're, uh, you know, if you're thinking of listening to um, opera's greatest hits, or like you get one of those things that are like the highlights from Rigoletto or the highlights from Romeo and Juliet. You know, you might hear this on it, and you might not. But if you if it's not on it. I mean, you're missing out. This is like an advertisement to listen to the whole goddamn opera. Mm -hmm. This know, opera just, will just, not disappoint. Yeah. Right, you no. just, I mean, like, there's so much stuff in every opera that is meant to be mined, meant to be celebrated, meant to be enjoyed. It's in there for a reason. I mean, even, like, secco recitatives, you know, those dialogues, especially in the comedic operas, I mean, those are hilarious. Yeah. I mean... And yeah, okay, you don't speak Italian or whatever, you you know, read a little libretto, you know, along with it or ahead of time, and you, the vocal inflection, the musical inflection that's there is just, it, it makes you royal with laughter. Mm -hmm. Royal. I, royal. I just had a really good idea for a podcast. You go. Okay. So, wines that even when they're bad, they're good. Oh. And then we should have still... Selections <clears throat> from shows and operas and everything that even when they're bad, they're good. Wow, that's a good idea and really hard. Yeah. <laughs> Jay's like, I don't buy bad ones. <laughs> like, even like, so I don't know how we like go forward with that, but to me, there are a couple of like just unbelievable shows that like, even when the singing isn't so great or people aren't as prepared as they should be or the orchestra's out of tune or whatever it's still like yeah. still works still works <laughs> i can't even think of a good then example then you know you guys are gonna have to find recordings of bad yeah, yeah. Oh, those, those can be real YouTube. fun youtube youtube <laughs> <laughs> oh there you go youtube like you know also get my recordings <laughs> <laughs> your own personal recordings <laughs> no uh, uh, no, I think I love that theme. It's a great theme, and I and I'm going to forget that theme. Um, and so you're gonna have to remind me in an email or uh, or tell me to listen to this podcast again to remember it. But I love that idea. I think yeah, it's great. But um, what do we think about Vino Numero Tre? It's my favorite so yeah, far. It's very oh. full, full body. <clears throat> yeah, it's much more so full body. Yeah, it's a lot more um, tannins on the finish. Um, and. Uh, it made me think of purple for some reason when purple. I was drinking it. It's very purple. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's more Cabernet than the, uh, the, it was more to my expectation. Of what mm -hmm. a Cabernet should yeah. be? I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's got, um, the tannins don't enter as quickly on this as they did on number two. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's actually a little lighter body than number two. Not a lot, but a little lighter body. Um, but I think it's got all the dark fruit from the previous one, but it has a lot more going on besides yes. the, the number two. Um, There's even like a little banana to it. I get that on the nose mm -hmm. for sure. Kind of those like <laughs> banana, like vanilla type fruit yeah. flavors on the nose. I smell a little banana. You yeah, got vanilla. one in the kitchen if There's you want to remember. Yeah, the vanilla. Happening. Yeah. It makes it feel like rounder. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Um, no, it, it, I think this is also probably the best balanced wine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With acidity and tannin and fruit and no, no one thing is overpowering. If I was going to look back, I'd say number one, 
had the most fruit. Mm -hmm. Yes. Number two had the most present tannin, mm -hmm. although I think mm -hmm. this actually has more tannins, it's just mm -hmm. better balanced. Yeah. Um, and this one actually I think has the most acidity yeah. of the three. This one. So. But I, by far. So everybody likes this one the best. Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah. there we go, number three, huh? Yeah. I like one too, though. I do I'm too. Yeah. too. All right, fair enough. My least favorite was Those two. two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Somebody poured it for you. Would you like dump it? No, no, no. I didn't. <laughs> no, I, didn't. I mean, I'm just wondering. Yeah. It wasn't that bad. No, no. So it's even when it was bad, relative. it was good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But not so bad. Right. Could be, it would be in the new podcast. <laughs> No, it's still a good wine. It's if just, I say it enough times, I'll remember. It's all relative. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, I'll move on to the fourth selection, um, which obviously is going to be Megan's. And, um, I know Megan. And so, uh, but I know I will not pour for dry uh, January lady. Um, but anybody else want more of whatever? I'll have one. One? Gracias. Yeah. Megan? Three, please. Anything for you, Gabby? Splash of three. Splash of
Luciana Pavarotti singing Nessun Dorma. And um, I just thought it was obvious in so many different reasons why it would be for this theme. We've got a prince singing the role, king Mm -hmm. of the high seas. And, <laughs> and Cabernet C. I oh, mean, come on. Oh my God. You're so good. And if I were going to pair anything with Cabernet, any music whatsoever, the richness of that aria and his voice with a Cabernet is just, to me, it's Bolognese right there. Yeah. Bolognese. So good. Bolognese. So. <laughs> So that's the whole theme. So, and I, th- it just, to me, it makes me swoon. You know how you said? I said, why did you pick that piece? And you said, well, it's just so happy. It just makes me so happy. I love listening to it. When I hear that, I can listen to it over and over again, and it just makes me swoon. And it makes it makes my body want to go like this. And I, I just feel it feels so rich. She's leaning to the side. I, I am. <laughs> And I know, I, I recognize, it is, um, you know, braised, um, uh, um, beautiful steaks. I, I recognize it, that it's, a, it's common. It's, you know, with creamy mashed potatoes. What are those things? It's not common. Uh, it's aria? The aria has become a piece of pop culture. Yeah. Is, I think, what you're alluding to. Yeah. But... But some by Paul I will Rocky tell you something. There was absolutely yeah. nothing common about uh, uh, it. Yeah. That is yeah. the best recording yeah. ever made of that aria. Mm-hmm. Congratulations never, for picking. I the never get mm-hmm. sick of it. I never get sick it of it. It is so good. It is. His voice. It's just like one of the greatest regrets of my life that I never heard him live. Yeah. His and voice is like sunshine. Like mm-hmm. his. I really his like the sunshine. brightness of it. Yeah. I really like the. The excitement. There's yeah. The excitement. There's a whole like the whole time he's singing. There's like this frizzle of excitement. But not excitement like I'm afraid he's gonna get like. No, no, he's not gonna make it. Which is what I experienced watching Turn It Off. Is he gonna get there? And yeah, opera is so so grand and glorious. Yeah. It just there's so many unbelievable moments. Yeah. But can we just say that it should end when Liu dies? Am I the only one? Yeah, yeah, no, just I agree. Yeah, that's that, that should, that's it should be done. I mean, yeah, ugly. <laughs> well, maybe it's because Puccini himself Puccini didn't himself finish died. Opera. Yes, yeah. right. Um, I'm with one of my big about. papers in grad school is about the parallels between um, these these characters like Liu and parallels in Puccini's life with women mm-hmm. that were and I just think it is just haunting like Tornado is just haunting the fact that he didn't finish it and that Liu dies and the way she dies it's just amazing and thank you I mean I feel like I haven't heard that recording I've heard so much schlocky Nessun Dorma mm-hmm. oh, lately, right. and that just reminded me of why it's so good. Or like, you know, the Andrea Bocelli version, or the, like, when you're oh, there's worse out there America's Got Talent. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I haven't heard it. I sung that. Concert. Concert. <laughs> Consider yourself you the better song. for not having heard them. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, when you, you know, said common, that's what I knew you meant. You meant yeah. it's, it's this piece 
has become, I mean, well, ever since Pavarotti sang it as part of um, that Three Tenors concert mm -hmm. in, what, 1990? Yeah, people were like, the oh, yeah. the crowd goes yeah. wild. Right. Everybody loves this. Yeah, because right? it builds. It's great aria. Yeah. It's so good. Right, and, and so that, um, that kind of like made it like the world phenomenon that mm -hmm. it became. But this recording is prior to that. You know, this this recording is when, I mean, if you want to hear some top shelf singing in the tenor realm, you listen to the first 10 to 15 years of recordings of Luciano Pavarotti. Mm -hmm. Oh, for me, there, I don't care about, like, he's... I mean, it might, it might be beyond the voice, but I mean, clearly in a tenor voice. His I voice, mean, it's just... During that period where he was in his prime, and they, we also happened to be at a stage where we actually could get some good recordings now, and also, as we've talked here before, nobody was fucking around yeah. with the recording and fucking it. So you have a there's an authenticity to the amount they, they weren't re, they weren't as when we discussed here when tenor, uh, when Trevor was here. You know, every freaking note is different recording. Yeah. You know, yeah. that was not what was happening back then. Mm -hmm. yeah. In average. Classical music recording. Yeah. There are 150 edits per track. Right now, Amazing. not per track. Not this. Right. Which is frustrating yeah. when you grow up, like singing in in the um, area when they do that, and you hear singers do things. Like it took one of my later voice teachers to tell me that she was like, "Oh, I did I did a show with it was I mean it was Barbara Fitzgerald. He did amazing. It was amazing anyway." But she did these things in these long breaths in this recording. She's like, oh, no, I did a show with her. She took, like, two breaths in that phrase. Like, what are you trying to kill yourself for? <laughs> like, doctoring recordings, like, it, it's not healthy. I, I don't know. That, I'll be honest with you. I don't know why they do that. Because... It's still amazing. You don't need to no, do it. but it's not even just about amazing. I mean, like, one, one of the things I always took from um, my singing was that the voice needs to always be on the breath. And so the breath is always of most importance. And so as a result, you have to breathe because the breath is important. And so every breath you take should always be a part of the piece and a part of the music and a part of the drama. And so if you eliminate the, the breaths that one must take, you're eliminating that piece of the drama. How many times do we love and enjoy operas where we hear the person's breath, mm -hmm. the gasp of before the terror, yeah. you know, high note, or the, or the, or the delicate breath in the vulnerability of of a delicate, you know, soul-bearing moment? That breath is as important as the sung phonated tone. Right. And so you, when you eliminate the breath, you're taking away. A piece of the artistry you're taking away uh, yeah, a piece but, of the music but Jay what if you're an artist and you wish you as an artist want to yeah. do it Te in, for it, text reasons for, which is usually what because, I would do as an artist yeah. or yes you would like to do it in that but as a body you yeah. simply can't do it so you are limited <clears throat> so I hear what you're saying but if you would have chosen to do it all in one breath, yeah, but yeah, you're limited yeah. because just, of your skills. Even when I, have, when I have to take breaths, granted, when I'm carrying a Sunday Mass, F it, I'm just breathing whatever yeah. because, you know, 
That's a, a different, different standard. <laughs> but it's a different standard, but I always try my best to make sure my breaths have purpose, even when I'm oh, singing. Of course. You know, well. and, and dramatic purpose and normal, even if it's not a planned thing. And I actually plan multiple different places I might have to take a breath in a phrase and what I might do to mean something in the breath. In when I'm really working on a piece, an aria, a role, an ensemble, etc., you know, and that's probably why I hate freaking singing Bach because <laughs> say, even, uh, even when yeah. it's because yeah. it's even no harder places. for me yeah. there to find the places to breathe and make the breaths, you know, of the piece. That is why I struggle so much is be with it is because of the taking the breath, not just can I catch a breath here. Can I get the oxygen and air into my body to keep singing? It's, can I do it in a way that is meaningful to the piece? Well, when you're singing out, but so now here's a, another thought. When you're singing, I think of church choir. And in our church choir, there's maybe two or three sopranos and, and all the other parts. And so uh, you think that you want to carry over things, but you can't because there's only two and so it doesn't really count as a carryover do you actually breathe what what do you do as a, what do you do as a director do you say okay let's breathe where it's appropriate because this makes sense for two people or do you say oh no let's carry it over because that would sound good as a a choral piece i guess you have I, I guess the answer to that i'm going to answer it myself is you have to be the listener of the choir director and say, okay, well, that's not working. I hear breathing. You have so to hire more support. Well, but I mean, <laughs> only like well, but I, I'd, also, I'd also contend what I'm talking from a perspective is from a solo singer. Yeah. It's not from a choral sound singer. And I know, in, and I sing a lot of choral, choral music and choruses. And yeah, sometimes you have to subjugate to what the cor the chorus master Doesn't wants. Doesn't it mess you up vocally? It, it like totally like it, I very. It, I don't know if it messes me up vocally, but it messes me up mentally sometimes about what I want to get out of yeah. the singing the piece. I agree. But it's not about me. I, as I said, I subjugate to what the other thing is. Do you ever feel like you have to sing a, a phrase far longer than you would have until you're now singing off the breath, so then when your next breath is, it's not quite as good? Yes. In rehearsal, sure. In <laughs> rehearsal, sure. Yeah, I, do that all the, I do that all the time in rehearsal, yeah. and then it becomes a puzzle for myself to figure out how yeah. to not be that way. Oh. But yeah. Or when someone takes I mean, something really, like a tempo that you didn't rehearse, you know, like, and it's really slow, right. and you just take right. more breath. Oh, well, and, the, and, the, and the, the other thing goes to, I mean, it depends upon how much rehearsal do you have. Yeah. Do you have two rehearsals before you're singing it? Do you have... I mean, that's one of the things that, honestly, there are times where uh, people, why do you rehearse this so much? Why do you do this so, you know, why do you spend 60 hours of rehearsal before you sing this, you know, chorus for this opera? I'm like... Well, there's so much that goes into it. There's, there's, you know, you know, learning the music and memorizing music, sure. But then there's these other things that you're talking about. There's making it the musical concept of the chorus master, which again comes to singing it in a different way than you might sing that phrase if it was just like, hey, I'm just singing this on my own and singing it in balance with everything else. And then, then of course with the stage opera you add the staging element on top and then you add the oh we have to change and alter the dynamics because when we were practicing this in the room it would be like singing it in a studio 
but now we're on stage and you're like upper in the you know in the up left hand you know upper stage left corner and maybe the acoustics are strange so now we have to you have to sing it you know mezzo forte instead of pianissimo and so you you have to re-memorize and also you know that you need to do that then and you also have to sing it differently than you would and so there's so much that goes into why it takes so much time to put on a freaking opera because it isn't it doesn't happen in a vacuum preach yeah <laughs> sorry i should shut up no 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 this is why no. women in song not jay go off song <laughs> but yeah i mean um but yeah no you're totally right when you're in the choral mindset uh megan you have to take away what it is the solo and subjugate to what your director or chorus master is saying this is what i want overall from the choral sound mm -hmm. and sometimes and not more often than just occasionally often it it is something you're like oh, that's not the way i would sing it and that's not the best way i'm going to make the most beautiful tone or whatever but you gotta realize it's not about you sad day sad day. yeah <laughs> when you sing in a chorus it's not all about you i know that well <laughs> Limoncello says, I would never be in a chorus. No, it's all about Limoncello. He's, he's the best boy, so. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, shall I reveal some wines, yes. ladies? Yes, please. Okay, so no, we picked wine number two. I almost feel like I should have unwrapped that first. Uh -huh. We'll stay in order. Alright, so uh, wine number one is. Joel yeah. got oh, 815 Cabernet Sauvignon. I've never had uh, that. I'm really surprised about yeah. that. It's a California ABA, which means the grapes come from anywhere in the state of California. Again, this is a 2012. I think, I say, I say, I think they just, the most recent release is 2016. Okay. So this is about four years mm -hmm. in the bottle. Uh, give or take you know you might say it's even six years it's not really six years in the bottle because it was aged you know uh for i believe eight months um on oak before it went in the bottle but so, it's six years old out of the yeah really out of the out releases of the <laughs> out of the releases yeah. um and i mean i i think because you know it is that california thing that's why you're getting that this one was the one we said was a lot more fruity sure. a lot more yeah. of the fruit forward and, the, and that was where it was going and that's why i think that it's this way because it's a little more en masse in, in its release um but there's absolutely nothing wrong with no, this wine. No, i drink that you drink that yeah had it before do. yeah i've had it before who said they were surprised by i am yeah. i'm yeah. totally surprised why were you surprised because me? david and i drink that all the time and i wouldn't have guessed that wow oh so you see i have a bottle of that at home i know and i'm, I'm so say. excited now to drink it there you go you're drinking it right now if i pour it you yeah i know all right wine number two this is bulgariana cabernet sauvignon mm -hmm. vintage okay. 2011 it's from the Thracian Valley in Bulgaria. There you oh. go. Oh, I forgot to mention, Joel got, well, you know, you've bought it. What, yeah. what does Joel got go for? $15. $15 a bottle, right? Yeah. About. Uh, Bulgariana, uh, probably $11 a bottle. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little more European in style. That's why it has more of those earthy tones and stuff. Um, but it's, I think... You know, cab. We talked about why it's so expensive. It's demand. I think this is actually pretty damn good value at 
11 dollars a bottle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And Bulgaria, baby. Right. <laughs> How many times are you going to serve somebody like this wine is from it's Bulgaria? Bulgaria. And, has a and then pretty bottle. Right. Yeah. Well, and then like, but also people are going to be like, mm, and then they taste it and they're like, like, oh, oh that's good. good. So yeah, yeah. Should should have. I, I recommend exploring Bulgarian wine in general. All right, and the one that pretty much uh, everybody here loved. This is not going to become a surprise to Megan. <laughs> this is Joseph uh, Carr. Yay! Um, Joseph Carr. And uh, this is their first vintage cab, 2012, which is really interesting because if you have this on the on the um, label it says Napa County because it was actually the first vintage was was from Coombsville which was not yet in an ABA of Napa Valley it was under um, you know basically legal uh, you know whatever it is you know wrangling and submission to become an ABA and so it didn't get passed before they made the first label and then shortly after it was released, it was called its own Napa Valley AVA. So this is really actually a Napa Valley cap. Um, now retails for usually what, around $25 a bottle, right? From what I've seen, um, I got it for nine. So, um, nice. but that was before it went really popular really popular, and all that jazz. So, um, so yeah, um, Joseph Carr, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and I think that's why probably it hit right. all the notes for everybody. Yeah, because <laughs> it's really good. But I mean, yeah. that's the other thing that I, I think I go to is like, I mean, it's Napa County and things. There are things where sometimes not every Napa County wine is going to become its own ABA, etc. But um, sometimes going to some place that is not like the epitome region, but is just off, or going to like not, you know you know chateau margot or you know first or second growth bordeaux but hey i like you know something from that margot commune and going on the low level you can get good value of um the flavor profile you, that you enjoy so always a good thing to remember um our playout song tonight uh was picked by my mom Yay! um and because uh, she was here uh or virtually here in October and so I was thinking of getting somebody for a playoff song and um, I thought I'd reach out to her and um, the song she picked is um, Song for Duke um, which was uh, written by Judy Collins um, as, a, as a song for Duke Ellington mm -hmm. and so um, when I was chatting with my mom about it she had some good stories about it and I decided instead of me uh, reiterating her story, I would actually record her telling her story. So uh, we'll hear that and then we'll hear her playout song. Um, so, Mom, why, why did you pick the piece for tonight with our theme of royalty? Well, when you were speaking with me on the phone and asked me if I would help you out this week, I recall that I never answered your direct question to me the last time you asked me to be a guest. And it was about the big bands of the jazz that I, and I immediately went to that. And to mother, Duke Ellington is like a very early childhood because my parents often had recordings that he had made at the top of the top. And being in the South, that was huge. So I heard a lot of Duke Ellington. And then um, when we lived in Chicago, and the group died. If he was born in 1899 and he died in uh, 1974, 
Billy Collins, who had been a protest uh, singer, but much more compatible to my ear than to my ass, and so I was very listening to a lot of her music, and she had done one that I'm sure everybody's very afraid with, Sending the Clown. But when she came out with this new album, and it was worse for the juice, as Dan says, I tell you so much then that when I was playing it here at the end of the week, he says, why are you playing Julie Collins so much again? And I had to explain to him why. And that's how it came to choose work for the Duke. Um, and Julie has one of those beautiful, uh, naturally supported with air, and its range is phenomenal. And she still likes some of her own music. Mm-hmm. And she wrote this song, obviously. Uh, and she wrote this song, obviously. And uh, St. John the Divine is one of my favorite places as an individual since I was a uh, Girl Scouts and went to New York City at the age of 12 on a tour. It's a spot I just love to go into. It's just like when, I go to, when I've been in Paris, I love to go to Sucks too. I mean, it's just, there's certain churches that have that need to you when you walk into them. And I could just imagine myself being present for the service and her observation of being there at the crowd and then writing and then singing the profound song about uh, the way he had such an effect on so many, many people. And he, and on top of that, I had the wonderful privilege of singing with him at the Sigma Chi House in, nine, in fall of 1962. Mm. Um, I also had that fall to sit on the piano then and sing with the piano, but this was beyond work. And I had been singing about it bad and then it's good for the past few years with the jazz trio. And so I knew the song very well and of course this one was a big hit. And I actually sat on the bench and sang it and he accompanied me. And it's a memory you don't forget when you have that opportunity. Not, not at all. Well, a very fine selection to close out our podcast on Royalty Mom. Thank you so much.
Yeah. <laughs> that was so beautiful.